0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Good evening and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Otorico, broadcasting live every Thursday, 6-8 p.m. Central, from Panama City Beach, Florida, home of the world's most beautiful beaches. I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone for joining me on my weekly broadcast. Every week, I'll feature some of the best instructors, coaches, authors, and entrepreneurs in the golf business today. I begin with a great discussion on Coach's Corner, followed by an insightful interview with my special guest. So let's get started by introducing tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and once again, welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and we've got a great show for you this evening. Uh, A couple of quick notes, Um, some of you that... uh, uh, follow the show on a regular basis. Probably noticed a little bit of a change in the look uh, to Golf Talk Live. I've done some updating, uh, some house cleaning, if you will, and and uh, had a designer come in and, and rebrand uh, Golf Talk Live. So there's a new look. Um, still in the process of changing everything over, but uh, getting it out there anyways. And also on the Women of Golf, which I uh, host with my good friend lpj professional Cindy Miller on Tuesdays, uh, the Women of Golf show also got a fresh update. Uh, in preparation for uh, the 2021 season, but uh, we launched them a little bit early. Um, so I hope you like the new look. I've had some good feedback so far, and I'm really excited about it. And uh, some other changes coming along the way as well, I think you're going to like. So, um, but on that note, I want to welcome everybody to the show live, and uh, really, really excited that you could join me. I'll introduce the Coach's Corner panel here in just a minute. And then a little bit later on, I'm going to be joined by two uh, very special guests, uh, Jill Streit, who is a LPGA uh, member and also owner of Versatile Golf. And she's going to be joined by Jasmine Hall, who is the development director of Elevate Phoenix. And we're going to talk about uh, that specifically uh, when they come on. They've got something special happening at uh, the beginning of next week, and they're going to come on and talk about that and, and uh, a little bit more. So, uh, but let me remind everybody, of course, the show is sponsored by uh, golf, or, Sorry, iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Uh, iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing top-quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And, of course, Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, offering insightful reviews on the latest uh, equipment, tips from top PJ and LPGA teacher professionals, all designed to help improve your game from tee to green. So subscribe today at golftipsmag.com. And just a a quick side note uh, before I introduce the guys. um, The latest issue, the uh, holiday issue, if you will, which includes the uh, holiday gift guide, It's going to be hitting newsstands November 10th, so keep your eye out there. It'll be at, of course, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and many other uh, key retail locations across the country and up in Canada, so make sure that you check that. But if you want to uh, save some uh, time, you can go on to golftipsmag.com and subscribe, and you can get uh, a whole season um, of magazines, all six issues for the 21 season. Um, It's a great uh, opportunity, and also uh, one final note is: in addition to print uh, versions, uh, also you can get a digital-only version of the magazine as well. So uh, previously, you had uh, the uh, printed version, or you could get a print and digital. Uh, You weren't uh, previously able to get the digital-only version; it is now available. So if you go and subscribe, you can, and just want the digital version, you can do that as well. So go to GolfTipsMag.com. All right, uh, the guys joining me tonight are John Hughes. He's a PGA Master Professional and the Honorary President of the North Florida PJ Section. Uh, he was also a recipient of the 2013 PJ of America Horton Smith Award. Uh, he's also a Senior Editor uh, and Golf Tips Magazine Top 25 Instructor. Uh, and he is also part of the Golf Tips Advisory Staff, so welcoming him uh, to the show. And also uh, uh, another good buddy is Clint Wright. He's a 30-year uh, member of the PGA and also a partner at TGM Golf. And a big proponent of the R3 approach. And uh, among the best covering the short game today. And he too, in addition to John and many others, is one of my favorite guests, panelists here on Coach's Corner. So guys, welcome to Coach's Corner here on Golf Talk Live.
2: Uh, Glad to be here, Ted. Thanks,
1: Ted. All right. So I thought we would talk about something uh, a little bit different um, that we haven't talked about here before on the show and this was an article that I read um, that was actually put out by Bobby Clampett. And uh, it's entitled, is confusion, uh, is confusion the Leading Cause of Golfers um, Quitting the Game? And, you know, we know there's a lot of golfers coming in uh, each season. The season is no different, especially this season. Uh, and we've explained in the past um, why there are a lot of new golfers, but there are some golfers that are getting out. And what was interesting about this article, guys, and I'm going to, pull out some points that, that were in it, and then we'll, we'll have our discussion. Um, there were a lot of valid points that he raised in it that I thought, um, you know, maybe bared uh, some other opinions, some different, uh, I guess, approach to it. So uh, if it's all right, I'm going to start in the order I introduce you. So, John, I'm going to start with the, uh, with the first point here, and it involves the idea uh, that style-based teaching uh, is still the most... Uh, common approach to improving uh, a golfer's game, and obviously it doesn't work very well for most golfers, in his opinion. Um, style-based instruction centers around a certain look. So these teachers quite often ask golfers to set up the ball this way, get into the backswing positions that way, and make this move on the downswing, and so on and so forth. So it's sort of a very unique um, style, if you will. I want to get your thoughts uh john start with and then clint obviously if you want to add to it as well um i would appreciate it but john what's your thoughts on what they're referring to style based and we hear that you know ledbetter uh we've heard others that that kind of have a style based teaching and many others follow that as well what are your thoughts there um do you agree with that what what uh, bobby's saying here in this article um and if so why and if not why
3: First off, Ted, thanks for allowing me the opportunity to be on the show again. Always fun to do that. Clint, good to hear your voice. Glad you're safe with everything going on in your part of the country. Style, that, that's a really neat term that I use uh, with clients, and I have them understand that I'm there to help them without sacrificing too much of their style, and I'll get into that in a second. Uh, Bobby's a fellow master professional of instruction, as I am. I've got a lot of respect for him. We've had a couple of conversations here and there over the years, and as everybody knows, he's really big on impact. He's more science-based, is the way I'm going to say it. His mentors dating back to his childhood really pushed a lot of that, even before there was technology to prove that was the science. What he's basically saying there is whether it's a uh, David Ledbetter, who's a, a good friend of mine, or anybody else that has a particular style. Um, I would go a little bit different. In my opinion: I, I think we've become not only style-based. Every Clint's got a style. I got a style. You got a style. I think mm-hmm. what a lot of people have, have done as teachers, and instructors. Has, they've forgotten about getting the personnel out of the golf course and teaching them on the golf course where they can mm-hmm. develop the player's style and they can adapt their coaching methods to the player's style, trying to keep some very simple things in line. How do you, got, how do you set up? And, and how are you going to set up to be most efficient to hit the really good shots you're capable of doing? And if you're doing that, uh, then great, Let, let's use your skills to your advantage. I had a lady here over the, uh, earlier in the week who had an extra long swing a la John Daly. She looked at me and says, every time someone tries to tell me to fix that, to change that, to shorten that, everything, everything falls apart on me. And I looked at her and told her point <laughs> blank, hey, I'm never ever going to tell you to shorten it, what I am going to have you do. Again, science-based, mostly, if you want to use that term, is let's get you set up the best way you can to hit the ball better with your current swing and immediately your eyes will get up. The second thing I told her is let's not concentrate on your backswing at all. You're so consumed with it, which leads to the word confusion that Bobby's got in that article. Let's worry more about, and that's the the wrong word, let's concentrate and focus more on what the face of the golf club is doing with the golf ball at the moment they touch each other. It turns out she had a severe balance issue. We fixed the balance issue. We take a videotape two days later, and she says, you know what? My swing's shorter. I noticed that. It's not appreciably shorter, but it's noticeably shorter. But the bigger thing was I stayed within her style and let her make that swing while trying to remain balanced doing it and it was eye-opening to her. She gained yardage immediately. She gained accuracy immediately. So when I talk about style, I want to coach within the client's style. What Bobby's talking about, I don't necessarily disagree with. There's a lot of people out there that are trying to force feed certain looks, mm-hmm. certain ways that may not be relative to that particular person, whether physically fitter or, or not to do it, whether – rationally understanding to do it or not, you play your style. Find a coach that allows you to play your style. Don't find a stylistic coach is the way I'd say it. I would tend to agree with Bobby a bit there because we have gone overboard towards that realm, and we've got to get back to teaching players how to play, not necessarily how to hit a
1: ball. Right. I, I agree with that. Um, you know, and Clint, I think, you know, as John said, I think, you know, we all – have our own style. We're all uniquely different. Um, and if you look at some, uh, you know, top players over the years, you know, a Dustin Johnson, a Jim Furyk, and a Bobby uh, Bubba Watson, excuse me. Um, you know, they don't. They have their own unique style. They're all uh, different. You know, John Daly, as he mentioned as well. What are your thoughts, you know, as pertaining to to what Bobby Clampett's saying here, as far as style based? Do you do you agree, uh, you know, with what John's saying essentially that? You know, golf instruction, not everywhere, but in some cases has sort of, I guess to go in the right term is we've kind of put a lot of people into sort of one box or one dimension of how they should be hitting and how they should be doing it um, sure. instead of doing, as he also suggested, that we need to get them out on the golf course and teaching them more how to play and not emphasizing so much on, on creating a style or, or whatever that maybe not conducive to their body shape or, or what have you. What are your thoughts there?
2: Well, I can't argue with anything John said. I mean, it, it's all about playing the game versus hitting the golf ball somewhat. But I, I do believe that there are certain laws and fundamentals that, that all of those players you just described kind of mm. get to the same place. Right. You know, they've got the the club on path. They've, they've got the club face getting square to the ball at impact. You know, we always used to talk about all those players look different until you look at it from waist-high to waist-high. Mm-hmm. You know, they all look very similar in that range of of, of waist high to waist high and impact area. They look very similar, but they all get there in a different different way. Um, you know, we can we can all end up at the same hotel or same restaurant, but we don't always have to all go down the same road. Um, right. So that's where I think you get the the, the confusion between style and playability. That, that I lean more, as John and you do, I, I like the playability aspect, but in order for a person to play at whatever level they're going to play at, they, they have to adhere to a few fundamentals and laws about how to get the club on the ball. And as long as those things don't override allowing the player to develop with their own style, then, then I think we're, we're in good shape. But the point that there's certain fundamental positions and, and ways of getting it back Begin to interfere with the student developing their own style it is a negative, uh, without a doubt. And I think that's why you get people say, "Well, I just can't get there," and they and they don't want to they don't want to play anymore. I'm, I'm working with this person. The coaches tell them, "I got to get here or I can't play." And when I can't get there, then I, I feel like I've failed and I, I shouldn't be playing the game. But on the other hand, if we tell them these are the fundamentals, is we can get as close to them as we can. With your style, then we're going to have a player that's going to play guy for a long time.
1: Right, and and again, you know, because body types are so uniquely different. You know, I'm a very tall uh, individual. Um, you know, somebody that's a little bit shorter, um, sure. their swing, may, their swing may appear, uh, you know, to be flatter. Uh, their plane may be flatter looking than than what mine is. Um, but again, it's just. Uh, the way that we address balls may be slightly different from one another. And I, I agree, I think, with, with what both of you said. I think there are certain fundamentals or certain um, truces, if you will, that we have to adhere to in golf, um, you know, that sort of waist, uh, you know, high and down uh, that's consistent with all players. Um, and, and, again, as you point, both have pointed out, uh, how we get there uh, is a different story. And unfortunately, I think some in the industry and, uh, you know, some that have sort of led the the charge over the years have come up with what they felt was a unique style and nothing wrong with that, but it may not necessarily be something that we could blanket uh, to everybody out in the golf industry uh, or out in the, uh, you know, the amateur world. And, uh, you know, as as the players, as I mentioned, as you both pointed out, you know, they're uniquely different. Um, They certainly arrive at impact the same way, but uh, how they get there, is, is definitely uniquely different. And I think that we have to spend more time in teaching them how to play. Certainly they need to learn how to hit the ball correctly and, and make some solid contact. Uh, otherwise, you know, they're not going to do well, period. But I think once we've established that and got them to understand uh, how, to, you know, how to swing the club properly and so on and so forth, let's get them out in the golf course and let's teach them now how to score and how to put all those components together. Clint, I'm going to come back to you so we can start on uh, the second point uh, here, and then John, uh, I'll let you uh, uh, make some comments as well. So the second reason that he talks about here is golfers are more confused today uh, than they've ever been in the the climate of today's golf instructional world. Um, You know, we live, and we've talked about this before, we live in a new age, uh, the digital age, and golfers are being bombarded by countless forms of media suggesting uh, how to improve their games. These tips have Uh, a very wide range of theories and suggestions as we just talked about uh most of which can be conflicting so just some examples you know sometimes we hear well set up with your weight on the left foot uh no uh on the right foot somebody else might say no in the middle and have a short compact swing no get a big shoulder turn uh for more distance so we hear a lot of different vernacular you know finish high no finish low and left and so you know you kind of get the picture um this is something else too and it kind of goes to what we just talked about but it this is another area that really confuses people because there's so much information that they're being bombarded with. And it is hard. I I would think as a golf instructor, and we've all been there to really, we run into two scenarios. Um, We're either spending half of our time debunking something they've seen on, on YouTube or some other platform um, and not getting to what we need to do. um, Or we're adding more to the confusion To what they've already witnessed somewhere else so how do we sort of unpack this and how do we sort of guide our students in such a way that we can certainly answer questions if they have them about something else they might have seen but not get lost up into you know a forever ending uh, um you know dialogue on the lesson t about something else that really has nothing to do with their game uh clint
2: that's a tough question i mean because there's you know, I'm, I'm, vic- we're all victim of it. Go on YouTube and you look at this video and that video and these guys are doing all the technology stuff to, to explain to you what the difference between this player and that player. I mean, there's so much available, as you said. Uh, contrary to when we first got started, I mean, you found your local GoPro that people thought that was the best teacher in your area and you went and you learned how to play. Um, it, it's difficult mm-hmm. to, to debunk what they're coming with, I mean, um, unless you point blank, like, ask them what videos have you been watching on YouTube to where you maybe can go watch them and try to figure out what they're trying to do. Um, you just have to take what they bring with them and, and try to to work with that or quietly work them out of it, you know? Um, yeah. And you, you almost have to, I don't want to say you want to sneak up on them if it's not working but but you really have to try to understand what they're trying. It's obvious if you get a chance to see them, you know, on the lesson piece. Um, and then ask them questions. I mean, have you been watching any videos? What, what, have, what are you hearing them say? Because what they hear them say may not necessarily be what they're trying to tell them. As we well know that it's sometimes a good idea to ask your students, what did I just tell you uh, to make mm-hmm. sure you're communicating properly? But so I, I just think it's a matter you have to investigate a little bit if they're if they're getting a lot of information offline, and trying to put that into the game themselves. If it's good information, then you can help them get there. If it's not the really good for that particular type of person, I think you have to try to then prove to them that what they're saying doesn't fit you. What they're saying is fine, nothing wrong with it, but it just may not fit your ability, your size, and and the things that you're trying to do and. Then you have to bring something new to them that, that fits them, versus just this random bit of information they pulled off the internet.
1: Yeah, that's a great point, uh, Clint. And John, I I want to, you know, bring you in a, on this as well. You know, I think there is certainly a lot of good stuff. You know, we, we all have um, social media presence, most of us, and and uh, you know, some are. are have videos up on websites and so on and so forth. And there is a lot of good information out there. And and in all fairness to some of the points that I made, you know, golf instruction is an ever evolving beast, if you will. Um, There's always new theories coming out. There's always new ways to improve and to learn a little faster and, and uh, more efficiently. And and technology certainly has helped to to play that that role in moving the ball forward, uh, literally in, in many capacities, um, but we're also seeing and, you know, I, I don't want to get in and, and, you know, point fingers anywhere, but because uh, I think we'll probably understand some of the references here. But, you know, there's now gotten to the point where it, it's not just instruction on teaching the game. But now it's 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 it's, um, you know, talking about, well, you know, the industry is is led you down this way for 25 years, and, and I'm going to show you how you really need to do it. So there's a lot of almost, uh, in my opinion, the negative dialogue. Instead of saying, hey, you know, I've found this to be successful and so on, it's almost combative within itself. Um, there's a the danger of that, too. Uh, would you agree, John, that, that we've got to be careful that we're not going down a path where we're, because it is so highly competitive online that we're now... Kind of in a in a roundabout way, debunking our own industry, what are your thoughts there?
3: well and, and, and i would I would say I'm in agreement with Bobby with this and the points you just made, and that's why I am in agreement that at the end of the day, what Clint you and I do, and all the other men and women that you have on the coach's corner do are things that we've stolen from our predecessors, 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 and so yep. on. Um, I'm using drills that are hundreds of years old. Uh, yep. I'm sure you guys do the same and mm-hmm. what the, the good stuff sticks around because it's based and it gets to the bottom line easier for almost anybody. Uh, with that said, what you're basically talking about is invoking emotion. Mm-hmm. We're talking about politics. You've got one side saying one thing and another side saying another, and all of a sudden, and this is a crucial time in our country's history right now, they're, they're trying to invoke fear of what may happen. Well, right, that's not the way to go about your golf swing. That's not the way to go right. about playing golf. Golf feeds you enough negative to begin with. Why are right. you not thinking about some positive things? And why are you not thinking about what opportunities could happen versus what fearful thing could happen? I think that's what Bobby's trying to say there is we are getting to the point where we're trying to debunk each other because some people view, I'm going to call it the business or the marketing piece of the pie, as shrinking. And the numbers we know better. The numbers are growing what we should be doing is, and I'll tag along with some, one thing that Clint said, and I'll call it priorities. I ask everybody that I teach, what, what kind of information are you consuming? And what I find out 100% of the time, when someone's consuming this information, not only are they getting emotional based on the messaging that someone's providing them, they're not taking that information in any type of rational order of priority that actually is going to get them where they want to go. It's a hodgepodge of stuff. It's like quilting a blanket and quilts are all over the face of the earth and you can't put them together. Uh, I try to go, hey, let's find the priorities for you. And I'm never, ever going to debunk anybody. Everybody's Mm -hmm. got an opinion and everybody's opinion could be correct for somebody. And that's the way I ran golf digest schools. There's there's no right or wrong. There's only correct for who's in front of you. With that said, with that philosophy, I beg, borrow, and steal from everybody out there, uh, whether mm-hmm. whether they're being tossed under the bus or not. Because at some point, I'm going to have a client who may need something like that. It's a matter of putting in a priority system so they understand what applies to them from a from the comments and. Everything else, I, I would tell the listening audience, take it all with a grain of salt. Even take what we say with a grain of salt, quite honestly. We're talking in generalities here, but we're also mm-hmm. talking about, hey, we're trying to lead you down the right path for you, and you have to keep an open mind that way. And if you're keeping an open mind, you've got the positive, not the fear in you, and you're more, you're more receptive, to actually making some improvement that way. When you're fearing things, forget it. You, you, you may as well take up tiddlywinks. Uh, for that matter, you, know, you may even fear tiddlywinks, for all I know.
1: <laughs> and I'm sure there's some people out there that are listening are probably saying, what is tiddlywinks? But that's for another show, we'll see. Well, I'm dating, um, I'm
2: dating us all. Sorry, Claire.
1: I know. <laughs> yeah. what, a, I don't know okay. what
2: that is. I was wondering what tiddlywinks were, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, so. yeah. <laughs> um, but but you're no, you're exactly right. Uh, you know, John, I think that you know there's a little of something for everybody, and because we are so uniquely different, you know, uh, as a player too, um, you know, and it's not just a matter of style based. I mean, you know, Bobby's putting it in perspective here, but uh, again, you know, Clint, what it really boils down to is the ability to discern fact from fiction. Uh, when, it, when you boil it all down, golfers go to the driving range, many of them do, in search of that secret pill, if you will, that's going to make it all work. Um, but the truth is that the secret pill that, that often is style-based uh, really does not exist. Um, the best golf teachers know that uh, the style of the swing really doesn't matter. All that matters, in, as you pointed out, is uh, in order to play good golf is it, the ability to be able to create good impact. And that's what the, the, the common place as you guys pointed out earlier. So given that, um, what are, in, in your opinion, what are some things that you've done yourself that have really helped golfers focus on that area? What, what, is there some drills that we can do that we can be showing our students that really focus on that impact and making solid contact and, and how they arrive there, you know, whether they hop on one foot or what have you, uh, uh, you know, or twirl a finger around or something, who cares? Mm -hmm. What can we do to make sure they're getting into that good impact so that at the end of the day, when they step out on the practice tee and they're warming up for the round, they're, they're hitting the ball with confidence. And when they get to that first tee, they've got some confidence. What's a good way to get them started?
2: Well, you know, you can, you can go to the very beginning. I mean, a person, has to be balanced and have a good posture set up if they're gonna make any kind of body motion under control. So that would be the thing that we all take a beginner. It's okay, let's grip it. Let's show me how you're gonna grip it. Let's show you how to stand. Does it feel athletic? Can you move your body under control from there? Are you balanced? You know, do you feel balanced when you stand that way? And if they don't, then we find the place that they feel balanced, whether it's a little more tilted over, hip tilt, whatever that may be. And then what we try to do early on is get a person to move through that space and just simply maintain their positioning as far as, as far as their setup and posture is concerned. And that way they, they at least have an opportunity to move their body through the space under somewhat of control and understand that they want to return here. This is where they want to get back to. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a good setup position and ready to make an athlete move, you can't get back there because you're not going to be capable of getting back to that balanced position at impact. So I tend to try to get a person to set up on balance and try to get them to understand we want to get back here at impact. Uh, how are we going to do that? We're going to move it through the space going back. Well, once you get to the top of your backswing, do you feel like you can get back to your setup position? Well, no. Well, why not? Tell me, tell me what you're feeling. And we try to correct those things. And, you know, drills that you can use, there's hundreds of them. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that, that uh, Harvey Pennick was, was quoted in saying that, that the reason that there's nothing new here that's been being said for such a long time is that it matters. It's good. So if it's been mm-hmm. something that's been around for a long time – it must be a good drill to use for certain circumstances, okay? And, and so we, we lean on the, the old-fashioned drills, like in putting and chipping, uh, we want to go to the target. Where you want to land the ball? Just, you know, keep, the club, keep your hands in front of the club face drills. They're, they're out there. We've all used them. But what I try to do to work with a personal impact, just to, to rewind this, good setup position and for them to understand we need to get back to that position with speed, and that's how we make contact and move the ball forward.
1: Yeah, and, and, and once, you know, John, once a player truly understands how to make good contact um, and, and gets the feeling of what good contact, you know, that's the other thing, too, um, you know, very quickly, just to go back to Clint's uh, points here, is there's a lot of golfers out there that really don't know what good contact even feels like. Um, you know, every once in a while we hit that pure shot and it, it's effortless and you almost don't even feel like you've hit the ball and yet it sails, you know, out to the center of the fairway and you're thinking, wow, what did I do here? Um, but an area that I think confuses a lot of, and, and again, goes to what, what Bobby's talking about here in addition to the style, and I think majority of your uh, instructors are good and they understand that, that the great players – that uh, you know they do create that good impact, and they they have the ability to offer clear remedies that might be uh, built on only one or two simple thoughts. So when a golfer is limited to thinking about one or two uh, you know uh, key things, their mind is free, and, and ultimately so is their swing. So and we've often heard the the, the phrase uh, John you know um, it's it's not uh, you know paralysis by analysis. So I, I want you to maybe talk a little bit about that because that's a, I think another thing that I often hear, uh, you know, from students is that they've got so many thoughts going through their mind that when they step over the ball, especially you know early on in the round, and once they've warmed up a little bit, it, they loosen up. But especially at the beginning of a round, they've got so much going through their head. So. We need to simplify the process so that when they're stepping up over the ball, there's maybe one or two things at most that they're thinking about. Talk about that a little bit and 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 get your perspective on whether that's true or whether you know there's something else that we should be considering.
3: Uh, I would tend to agree with you, Ted. That it's probably the number one non-physical item as a coach that I deal with with I would say close to 100% of my clients at some point in time or another. It's human nature to want to learn to absorb information and put it to use. That's that's what distinguishes us from all other mammals on earth. So when you're looking at such a – simple thing is putting a piece of metal on a piece on a piece of rubber, per se. Uh, you would think it's pretty simple, but as you find out, it isn't as simple, possibly, and you put these thoughts in your head. Again, I go back to the word priority. What's the priorities? And, and are those thoughts in the same order? You use the term process. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't understand that They go through processes every day. When you get up in the morning, I bet you every listener has a routine. That's a process that they follow almost religiously each and every day unless that day just starts out sort of quirky. When you get into work, you have a process? Do you turn the light on after unlocking the door? Are you making coffee before you read your emails to catch up? I mean, there is a process that you do. So why not? Create a very simple process And and my philosophy is simple When you swing Less is more And if you can get it down To less than one thought And I don't mean to sound trivial Or facetious That's going to be best for you Uh, One thought's the max But if you can get it down to less than one thought More of a tempo driven kind of Motion You're going to be better off that way But as far as if you want to think So long as you think of these things in the correct order and or the same order, you can almost think about three to four, maybe even five things prior to swinging the golf ball as you set up. So the examples I'm always using for my clients is you remember your zip code. You remember your area code. Your area code is going to be the simplest thing to remember. Can you replace the numbers in your area code with three things you need to do in the same order to set up correctly so when you turn the machine on, the machine produces the widget that you're looking for. And, oh, by the way, what is that one, less than one word thought or one thought in general turns the machine on? It should go in unison with these other three, but it's it's not necessarily part of that area. Okay? It's a completely different thing. It goes back to Vision 54 and, Hey, there's a backstage and a front stage. There's a thinking box and there's a doing box kind of thing. I'm paraphrasing what they've said. Less is more with that. The other thing to put out to listeners, and I've said this before on this show, is golf is an action game. We're trying to start something from an absolute dead stop. We're all <clears throat> most all other games we play are reactionary. There is no time to think. You just react and you do the very best you can athletically to perform within that reaction. The more reactionary you can make golf with less thoughts, what thoughts are there prior to making the action in a sequential order that makes sense. Now, all of a sudden, you're not thinking about too many things when you're stepping over the ball. You're just thinking about, hey, where's my target? We'll just let it fly.
1: Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's interesting. I I was thinking uh, about what you said in, in using, you know, area code and, and zip code. And I was thinking to myself, you know, uh, Clint, that you have a lot of players who are very technical driven and they need a little bit more, um, you know, meat on the bone, so to speak. So for a player like that, that is more technically that maybe needs, you know, uh, an area code might not suffice for what they need and, and and you know we we've had these where they where they come out and they over analyze and stuff and they they need that that's just the way their mind works so in a case like that how do we i guess how do we accomplish the same thing as what John's talking about with somebody that we won't want to reduce their thought process with somebody that now that requires it uh, a little bit more how do we find a, a sort of a happy balance that they're getting what they need, the information that they need to make, a, in, in a sense, an informed decision, which is really ultimately what we do before we hit a shot is we're informing ourselves with the information to make an informed decision, decide what club we're going to hit, what direction we're going to go, and so on and so forth. When we're dealing with somebody, because we all are different, Clint, how do we, I guess, handle somebody in that scenario that does require more information um, and do it in such a way that we're still keeping it as simple as possible. Is there a way that we can accomplish that?
2: Oh, oh yeah. You, you. Um, I always ask a person what they do for a living, and and when they say, "Well, they're a mathematician and engineer," I know my work's cut out for me um, because <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Well,
2: they think in precise terms. Okay? Sure. Um. So what I tend to try to do is give them that on the practice team. We're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to do that. We're going to get this information for you. And it's just like if, if, if you were going to build a bridge, you're going to get all this information. And mm-hmm. then I'll look at it, so How are you going to use this information? How is this information making you more comfortable to go out and play? Because I'm going to get you everything you need from a technical standpoint that you'll feel comfortable to go out and play without it. And you have to kind of feed them that information on the lesson t and then try to prove to them in their own way they have to buy in you have to show them that this information is how you're going to how you're going to use this information is when we play mm-hmm. okay the information is well I hit my eight iron one fifty you know those are things you know the technical aspect of choosing the right club you know. If they're going to go out and play check and see how hard the wind's blowing today, to get in well it's 10 miles an hour, feed that part of their brain that needs that information, that that settles their nerve to a point that they can play. Um, and a lot of that comes down just to sheer emotions. You know that their their body doesn't relax if they're if they're not focused 100% on the data. Um, So what I try to get them to find a process that works for them to relax enough to use the data to make a good decision to hit the ball. Mm -hmm. Once they've used all this technical information that we've learned on the practice team and all this data, that we have to find a way, and it's complicated. It's from one player to the next. Find a way that they can use that data to get, a little less nervous, a little bit less anxious over the ball when they hit it. Comfort with the data. I've made the right decision. See, we talk a lot about confidence versus trust. Mm -hmm. And, see, a lot of people, we we get in some debates about, well, why is it? Well, I want a person to be confident that they've made the right decision. Right. That what club they're going to hit based on the data. Then trust is the emotional side. Well, I'm going to trust I can, I can hit a good shot right now based on the data that I use to be confident. And that's a difficult path for some people to take. Uh, but you have to try to get them to trust the data. But you find the data on the practice team that feeds that part of their brain. And hopefully they can learn how to begin to trust the data just like they would trust the data that they had to build that bridge. Uh and if they buy into that, then they could be great players.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting, guys, because you know, we see so many, you know, different personalities on the golf course. You know, we we see some that, you know, it just seems very naturally very easily it almost looks like they're not even thinking about anything and they're out there um you know, navigating their way around the golf course uh, with some success, and others you know clearly they're struggling, they're you know uh, analyzing uh, to a point where they've now paralyzed themselves and I think really it, it you know to go back to the the initial initial um, you know point is have we and are we still in a sense con- confusing? the golfer in such a way that we've, we've frustrated them to a point now they're saying, whoa, you know, I, I just can't, I can't do all that. So do we need to, as, as Clint, as you pointed out and, and John, I'm posing this to you by the way um, you know, do we need to really communicate first and foremost with our students first, analyze who they are, and then formulate a game plan as opposed to formulating a game plan and then marketing it out to the masses. Your thoughts?
3: Uh, from a purist standpoint of view, it's the first. From a business standpoint of view, unfortunately, you've got to do the second. Um, I work for myself. I've got to be able to market myself and have somebody understand what those things are that differentiate me and and in theory it becomes possibly a style or whatever label they want to put on it. But I would tell you that once I get that person in the door, it totally flips. It's all about interviewing them so much so that nowadays before I even take a client on, we're on the phone minimal 15 minutes just trying to figure out if I'm a good fit for them, but more importantly is what is it they're needing out of me and do they have do I have something that I can provide them to where they won't get confused that that I will be able to provide them coaching at their level so they don't get frustrated and say, "Well, screw it, I'm not going to take a lesson" and even worse, "Screw it, this game's crazy, I'm not going to play it." Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's unfortunately both. The, the purest way is, and and I would tell anybody listening to, to the show is, you've got to find a coach, who is willing to ask those questions of you. So not only can you feel like you have a good relationship with them, you've got to be honest and tell that coach what is it, what is it that you want to do, and what are you limited to? What are your strengths? There there's a gambit of questions that a coach needs to be able to find out how kind of to go about putting things in a priority order that makes sense for you, to where you can sustain your results, but more importantly, have fun achieving the results. Uh, without any fun, people get confused very, very quickly. But from the marketing standpoint of view, and uh, I hate to get into that term again, but it does come up in this conversation. There's a lot of confusion out there because of the way things are marketed. Um, right. I'm not advocating that we all go to a one size fits all thing that all we're ever going to teach is impact. That would be, that would be utopia for everybody. And it it'd put us all out of business in a way <laughs> and it'd make the game too easy. And we would get bored and we'd find something else to do. Uh, there's more than one way to get the club to the ball, as Clint said earlier in the broadcast. But understand that if you're getting to the point of hiring a golf coach, if they're not asking those questions, then that should raise a red flag for you, no matter what mm-hmm. their marketing says.
1: Yeah, that's that's a great, great point. And, and Clint, just finally, you know, as we, we get ready to, to wrap up, um, a, another segment here mm-hmm. you know I, I think to, to John's point um, you know we certainly have to market ourselves we have to, to get the word out there um, but I think something else too that, that I've noticed and, and I want to get your thoughts and, and John I'm going to let you have an opportunity as well to, to chime in afterwards but um, do we need as instructors to negate the the once, uh, not one size fits all for um, instruction per se, but as instructors. And what I mean by that is, do we have to be careful that we're not a jack of all trades? And I'll give you a, a, a perfect example. You know, we see a lot of instructors out there that teach all facets of the game. I don't mean just the swing, but they, they get into so many other areas um, that they, they kind of spread themselves thin. Do we need to be more focused, uh, you know, as an instructor, for instance, you know, the short game is something that you really focus on. You can certainly teach the whole uh-huh. game, but that's an area that you don't. Do we need, as instructors, do we need to be more definitive in what we're going to teach and not be so broad? What are your thoughts?
2: Well, that's an that's a interesting question. I, I think it depends on where you're at in your career. You know, mm-hmm. if, if I'm a young professional that, that's going to this game for a living I need to have as broad a base of Customers as I can get So you, you begin To be the jack of all trades you teach Putting and you teach you know you, you try To understand a little bit About all of it but, but primarily You know the, the full swing and Because that's what people come to want to learn And but you have to be able to give them the Peripherals as well you know Right so But as we move through our careers And we maybe you know don't need to teach as much or you, you've got a good clientele uh and you can move into more specific areas you know i, I think that you find you've got mental coaches and emotional coaches that tend not right. to be out of a profession but from somewhere else it gets involved in golf because it's people are looking for that i find that would be a difficult place to be unless you had some formal education to, to move forward with it so I tend to try to stay away from that a little bit. But if we're talking about just the pure playing of the game, I think that we all naturally gravitate to what we like to teach. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we get through the rest of it. Uh, And, you know, and that's what happened with me. I found that I enjoyed teaching the the scoring game more than I did the full swing because I always thought thought I could see – more improvement in my customer or my client or student through that and see that they begin to enjoy the game more because they, their score went down. Whether it went from 125 to 100, it still went down, and they were they were happy with it. Um, and so I, I think it's part of the career thing. But but if you can, I mean, you know, w- with us at TGM Golf, we, we on occasion will team teach. If I've got a student mm-hmm. that needs a little help, You know, in the long term on their full swing, I get it over to Mike or Todd, and and on occasion I'll help them with one of their students. So there's nothing wrong with that approach either. Right. To bring in someone else that might be a little bit better at the area your student needs, I think that shows your student that you're about them getting better versus being selfish and keeping them all to yourself. You see? And yes. so I think that gives your student an idea that you're in it to help them get better and if and if that gets out in the marketplace, you won't have to worry about advertising. you'll have more business than you can deal with
1: so. <laughs> right i I agree wholeheartedly and and john just to just to add to that you know and, and I guess really what I'm getting at is. You know, do we need to be the jack of all trades? In other words, you know, do we have to be? We certainly have to be knowledgeable in all aspects of the game, from the long game to the short game, to you know, uh, dist- you know, getting getting more distance and things like that. But sometimes, you know, I think instructors maybe sp- spread themselves too thin, getting into other areas um, where maybe they're not as strong and. And I kind of like what what Clint just pointed out there is, you know, he's got a unique situation where he works uh, with some other uh, partners that are able to sort of play off one another. Um, Is that maybe a route that instruction needs to to grapple more onto is working together um, instead of trying to be, as I said, the jack of all trades. What are your final thoughts?
3: Uh, I agree with the first statement. Clint said that early on you tend to be because not only do you want to fill your book, you're you're wanting to please everybody that comes through the book, that comes through your calendar of lessons. And as you mature, you start finding your niche. And in Clint's case, short game scoring, lots of different labels to put on it. And that is a fun part of the game. And that's where I started working harder on earlier in my career. Working as a team is absolutely essential, and you see that amongst all the top tour players now where Mm -hmm. uh, they're going after specialists for the various aspects of their game, nutrition, fitness, short game, full swing, uh, who's going to drive my truck kind of. It's really getting that way. But when we get back to the term confusion where it all started this part of the program, Sometimes when you've got a lot of people working with one student, if they're not communicating, that's not only going to lead to the players confusion, it leads to the team's confusion. So in, in Clint's case, they're all right there amongst each other. It's going to work out. They're all going to talk to one another. And like he said, they all have the back of that player. They're all there for their that player's best interest. In my case, I've got a sports psychologist I work with. I've got a fitness expert that I work with because as much time that I have, I don't have enough time to become an expert at it. From a jack-of-all-trades, coaching-wise, I don't have anybody that I refer anybody to at the moment. I'm I'm working on that. But the type of clientele I'm, I'm predominantly coaching now is somebody that doesn't necessarily want to have multiple coaches. They've come to me because mm-hmm. my expertise at the entire game over the 30-plus years I've been teaching is something that they appreciate how I communicate to them. So it can work both ways. When we're talking about con- confusion at the end of the day, it is about communication. You can get more done as a team. To quote Mike Krzyzewski, the fist is more powerful than the fingers. If you can put all five fingers together, it's a much stronger force to help somebody out with. Uh, But you've also got to be careful that if that fist isn't communicating amongst each other, then you can do more damage and literally get the person so confused that they walk away from everybody. And that's certainly not what we're after. We're after the, Like Clint said, we're there for the best interest of the player to get them where they want to go. And if I don't know something, absolutely I'm going to get on the phone and either find it out. If I can't find it out, I'm referring that person to somebody, but I'm also becoming part of their team at that point. And that's really Mm -hmm. the key ingredient. It's now the, the players team, not your team as a coach.
1: Yeah, that's a great uh, a great way to, to wrap that up and, and sort of tie it all up together. You know, the, the truth of the matter is it, it all begins with, with those initial conversations. Um, you know, first and foremost, you know, we want the students to, you know, to really seek out somebody that, you know, they're able to feel comfortable with. Um, you know, there's a lot of great instructors out there for sure, um, but they're not going to be appealing to everybody. It's just like, you know, you go to a certain bank because you like a certain bank and, you know, you go to a certain grocery store cause you like what they stock on the shelves or the way they organize things or, you know, the, the people at the checkout you've you know gotten to know over the years, you know, whatever the case may be. So, you know, first and foremost, you need to really do a little bit of homework, you know, research these people out, get to know them, you know, maybe get a referral, find out, you know, somebody that you may know that's been working with that individual and, uh, you know, and see how they've, you know uh, what their experience has been like, and then get out and do your own research and uh, have a have a conversation with them. You know, get together for a few moments, and whether it be on a phone call and and uh, or or if you're able to in person, um, you know, and and have a conversation with that uh, with that coach or instructor, and uh, and and kind of feel the mode. Make sure that you you know you're going to be compatible. Do you have you know uh, a similar ways of of looking at things in general. I mean, you know, you have to be compatible that way before you you start the program because there's nothing worse than, you know, booking a a group of lessons and getting with somebody that you just, you don't have a a good feeling uh, about. So, uh, and as John, as you pointed out early, you know, it's all about having, uh, from the coach's perspective, asking those questions. Um, You know, it's not just the student asking questions of us, it's us asking them the right questions as well and and gathering that information um, so that we can put together a game plan that's going to be successful for that individual there, so guys, a great discussion tonight i really uh, really like that, and uh, I, I want to just uh, you know sort of say one further thing to wrap it up. Um, really, the purpose of this discussion was not to uh, you know be critical or, or anything but it's to be mindful for those of us that are in the industry to be mindful of um, you know how the student might feel, how they may be confused uh, right now you know we've we've struggled for for many, many decades to uh, to work with students and getting those handicaps down. And, and some have been successful and others have not. And we want to make it as, as pleasurable of an experience. Uh, we know this game can be difficult for many. Um, so we want you to be engaging, uh, but we also have to be engaging as well. It's not just about us standing up there and telling you what to do. It's about understanding what it is uh, what needs you have and, and how we can best meet those needs and making it a more enjoyable and, and fun session. Um, again, guys, great discussion tonight. I really appreciate you uh, always bringing your best to the panel discussions and uh, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't uh, thank you enough for, for doing so. Um, as always, I'm going to give you an opportunity to uh, share with the audience uh, if they want to reach out and, and connect with you. Um, Clint, I'm going to let you start and then John will let you uh, wrap it up.
2: Sure. Uh, first of all, John, great being with you tonight and Ted, you as well. I, I look forward to the Thursday nights that we can do the show. It's a lot of fun. Most of the time, uh, not all the time, but most of the time it's, it's pretty much fun. Sometimes I get kicked under the bus, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> you can get a hold of me at, 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 uh, Clint golf, zero zero one at yahoo.com. And I'll, I'll return an email and maybe we can hook up on the phone, do a little text and see, see if we can help you out. But, uh, it's ClintGoff001 at com. Guys, y'all have a good Perfect.
1: weekend. You too. Thanks, Clint. John? Thanks,
2: Ted.
3: Clint, I will never kick you under the bus because <laughs> I'm not sure where the bus is located half the time. But thanks. <laughs> always, a, always a pleasure being with you with Ted's show. Ted, again, thanks for the opportunity. It's always a pleasure. It is a lot of fun each and every time, whether I get kicked in, under the bus or not. Uh, People can reach me, John Hughes Golf. I tried to make it easy when I started things out, and apparently it is pretty easy. So whether it's a hashtag, an at sign, a dot .com at the end of it, you can always find me at johnhughesgolf.com. Twitter, Facebook, the same thing. Uh, Looking forward to a neat little holiday season. I'm hoping the next time I'm on uh, in a couple of weeks, I'll have some news to share with everybody. And, again, Clint, glad you're doing well with everything that's going on in your neck of the woods there.
1: Perfect. Well, guys, as always, thank you very much for, um, again, bringing your best onto the show. I appreciate it very much. I know it's not always easy uh, giving of your time, but I appreciate it very much. And, and John, as always, thank you. And uh, I will reach out to you real soon, uh, and we'll uh, continue the conversation. But have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, John. All right, that was uh, John Hughes and Clint Wright uh, joining me on the Coach's Corner panel. And uh, as always, uh, you know, we have a, a lot of fun and uh, an interesting conversation here on the show. And uh, I really look forward to uh, having the Coach's Corner panel each and every week as we start off uh, on Golf Talk Live. And then, of course, I'm uh, followed uh, by uh, my very special guests and I always enjoy the interview portion as well. But it's kind of nice to get things started off with the uh, With the panel discussions. All right, so let me uh, very quick uh, note here just to remind everybody that the uh, latest issue of Golf Tips Magazine, which happens to be the uh, holiday gift guide, is going to be hitting newsstands on November 10th, so keep your eye out for that. And if you want to subscribe, go to golftipsmag.com. That's golftipsmag.com. And uh, you can now get uh, not only the uh, print version, you can get a print and digital version, or you can just get the digital version if you want. It's now available in a digital-only version for those of you that are a little more tech-savvy and uh, like to get that route. So um, just go to golftipsmag.com. All right, as I mentioned, I've got two great guests tonight. Uh, joining me is uh, Jill Streit, and she is the uh, an LPJ Class A member and owner of, of a successful golf event management company in Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, called Versatile Golf. Uh, Strikes Dynamic Company has been in operation for uh, four busy years, helping corporate and non-profit organizations get grass uh, under their feet, if you will, through tournaments, fundraisers, uh, team building, and popular helicopter golf ball drops. i got to ask her about that. Uh, also joining tonight on the show is Jasmine Hall. She began uh, her Uh, career at uh, Elevate Phoenix in uh, 2011 as a teacher and mentor Uh, she quickly found her niche in the development and has uh, area and has been full steam ever since and as the uh, development director for Elevate uh, Phoenix um, she uses her passion for the organization to further develop stable uh, consistent relationships between staff and more than 5,000 urban students uh, within the Phoenix uh, Union High School uh, district in addition uh, to development, uh, Jasmine serves as an adjunct uh, professor at the Maricopa Community Colleges. So without further ado, please uh, welcome my very special guests, uh, Jill Streit and Jasmine Hall. Good Hi, evening, ben. ladies, and welcome. Thanks
0: for having us. How are you? <laughs> well, thank you.
1: I'm doing very well. Good thank evening. you, ladies, very much. Yeah, good evening to both of you, and thank you very much uh, for joining me this evening on Golf Talk Live. And we got. We've got a lot to, to unpack, and we're going to get to Elevate Phoenix here in a little bit uh, and specifically what you guys want to talk about. But I thought what we would do first is just to you – know, I shared a little bit, as, as I know you're aware because you've been you've been on hold here for a few moments, um, but I want to get a little bit more background just for so everybody has a better understanding of, of who and, and, and so forth. So just, I'm going to start with you. Uh, I know, as I mentioned, you're, you're a Class A, uh, LPGA Class A member as well as the owner of Versatile Golf. Talk a little bit about your background, and then, Jasmine, I'm going to give you an opportunity as well.
4: Sure, yeah. absolutely, and thank you again for having us tonight. My pleasure. So, um, so yes, I am. I am a very proud long-term um, LPGA member. I was born and raised in Omaha, Nebraska, played golf with my entire family, and I got the golf bug at an early age, played through junior golf um, all over the central area of the country, and then I ended up getting recruited and playing on the women's golf team at the University of Southern California, uh, which was incredible, and that's really where my love of the game, um, I never thought it could get even more, but I got really heavily into tournament operations with the PGA of America, with the local uh, golf tournaments, professional events that take place in Southern California with multiple internships. So I always had that tournament love. Um, I certainly tried to get on, the you know, mini tours. And, you know, I have such an appreciation for the ladies that are able to play full-time professional golf. And I, I gave it a go. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was very fortunate to um, have a local golf professional at one of the home courses we used to practice at at SC. Uh, who wanted to bring me in. Um, He was one of the lead instructors for Nicholas Flick. And he Mm -hmm. took me under his wing and said, I've got a place for, I need a female golf instructor. I've got 200 ladies in my women's club, and I'd love for you to take it over. And so that's where my passion for golf instruction came. And, you know, I was able to, to work at amazing properties like Riviera Country Club, Carmel Valley Ranch, the Phoenician here in town, uh, the Fairmont Scottsdale Princess, and worked closely with TPC Scottsdale, certainly during the Phoenix Open. So I've always been around some of the best that golf has to offer. And as everything came together and I gathered all of the weapons I would need um, to start my own company, (laughs) um, you know, I was able to really pull my passion for the game, my passion for women's golf but also you know, certainly used the game of golf to bring families together as well as help nonprofits like Elevate Phoenix. And um, I was very fortunate to be introduced to Tom Lehman um, through a dear mm-hmm. friend, Tiffany Nelson, who's the executive director of the Charles Schwab Cup Championship here in Phoenix, which is coming up next week. Um, mm-hmm. And then by the grace of God, I got introduced to Jasmine Hall and my life has been better for it. So, I've been able to take versatile golf, everything that we're able to do to give back the game of golf, whether it's as a fundraiser, the outdoor physical exercise and family experience, or to bring team building opportunities through corporate events. Um, I really, I, I'm so fortunate to truly say I have a job, a profession, a company that I'm super proud of and that I love, even if I'm. Sending emails to Jasmine at 2 a.m. in the morning, it's okay because I love (laughs) what I'm
1: doing. Well, that's fantastic. And, and, yeah, and Jill, uh, again, welcome to to Golf Talk Live, and thank you for for sharing that. You definitely have a a passion. uh, And I just want to, on a a side note about the LPGA, uh, I can tell you from uh, experience having, um, you know, on my other show, Women of Golf, working with uh, Cindy Miller, who is an LPGA professional, for yep. uh, the last last seven years, there is no harder working folks in the golf business than the ladies of the LPGA organization. Let me tell you, they put the guys to shame. And there's some great guys <laughs> out there. But you, you ladies, uh, hands down, uh, are the hardest working in this industry and you give back so much. Um, Jasmine, she, she gave a, a great intro to you. So I'm going to let you pick it up from here for a few moments just tell us a little bit more about your background yeah she I mean she just spoon-fed uh, a great lead-in so um, just, <laughs> just I mean I, I didn't even have to do anything so just tell us a little bit more about um, and just let me point out Jasmine is the development director I forgot to mention that I'm sorry for uh, Elevate Phoenix so tell us a little bit about your background a little bit and how you got to where you are and and uh, and obviously you know Jill has mentioned you guys have come together maybe you can talk a little bit more about that and then we'll get into uh, uh, a little bit more about tonight's discussion
0: absolutely thanks so very much yeah so um elevate phoenix is pretty much near and dear to my heart and you know it's kind of funny because it stems a little bit further than how long we've been in uh business if you will so i very well could have been an elevate phoenix student when i was coming up right and and you know it took a, a somebody to step into my life, a caring adult, to come into my life, mentor me um, near the end of high school to really change the trajectory of my life and my outcomes. You know, I went through some pretty hard stuff uh, growing mm-hmm. up and my mentor came alongside of me, not only encouraged me to let alone graduate from high school, but pushed me on to get my bachelor's degree, continued to push me to even get my master's degree. She was there when I bought my first house. She was a part of my wedding. And and you know what kind of made it all quite phenomenal was that she is my boss today. And so Delilah wow. Gaper, um the executive director um, of Elevate Phoenix, Um, she knew who I was, what I was about, where our heart was. And she said, you know what, Jasmine, I need you to uh, take a look at something that is coming to the valley, gives us a name, uh, gives us something to call what we've been doing for free, some resources and, uh, and some support around what we've been doing all of our lives. And I really just need you to take a look at this. And, you know, at the time when she asked me, I was just not quite ready. You know, I was, in a good mm-hmm. space, you know, making a lot of money in the insurance industry, uh, you know, but I was like, all day I got you, I'll volunteer, I'll donate, what do you need? And you know, she's like, you know, just this way and maybe two we got the we got the Elevate Phoenix organization started started in um started in two thousand and nine. We were incorporated and um and we had our first class Um, start in 2010, and um, she was actually the first teacher mentor to actually get started in the organization, and two years later, two years later, she came back to me and said, hey, you know what, I know you came in to the you didn't have a quite understanding of what you were getting into. This time I want you to just take a look and see what we're doing. So I toured our very first class over at Suffer Travis um, High School. And you know what, from that moment forward, I saw what Elevate Phoenix was firsthand. I met the students, and I was sold. I literally left corporate America, came into this nonprofit world, the blaze of fire, guns of going, and never looked back, (laughs) and I've never been a part of anything so transformative in my entire life, and it's all due to my mentor showing me the way and still connected into my life today. So, pretty much, we've been doing Elevate Phoenix since before Elevate Phoenix was ever even a thing, and now we have the honor um, to just come alongside, alongside of all of our kids to just pour in, make a difference, and... I started the second pipeline over at Camelback High School. And Mm -hmm. at that point, four years in to just helping our kids, you know, just find their own way, find their voice, recognize that even if they were the ones that were quote unquote being gay, people giving up on them, we reminded them just how valuable they are. And because I saw it firsthand from ground zero, I literally said, you know what, there's something else I got to do. I have to make sure that we're not only continuing on to sustain what we're doing, but we have to grow this. We got to make a big Mm -hmm. impact in more students' lives. So I transitioned from being the teacher mentor into the development role. And in walks Jill Strite into my life. (laughs) Because at first, they said, "Um, Jasmine, we want you to raise all this money. I'm like, okay, I've never done this before, but I got the passion and I know relationships, so I could do this. And they I was right because I have a Jill right in my life to help me turn around and actually raise those dollars to continue to sustain and grow, elevate things to where we're at today.
1: Perfect. Um, before we get into <laughs> some of the the specifics of what the organization's overall mission is, I just want to uh, since he was mentioned, I want to just um, you know bring up a, a little bit about Tom. Uh, Layman into the into the mix if you will. Uh, for those of you tuning into the program, you know We're we're talking with Jill Streit and and Jasmine Hall about Elevate Phoenix and uh, Obviously, this is something that that Tom Lehman has grappled on and Tom Lehman, of course is an American professional golfer uh, He was a former number one ranked uh, golfer uh, his tournament wins are 35 uh, Worldwide which includes one major title the 1996 Open Championship and he's one of the only golfers in history uh, to have been awarded the Player of the Year honor on all three PGA Tours, the Regular Tour, Web.com, and the PGA Tour uh, Champion, so uh, he's uh, definitely a very stellar player. And I got to say this, uh, just in case he he hears this at uh, some later point, <laughs> uh, I've, I've I've followed uh, Tom's career. I certainly can't re- reflect on everything, but I got to tell you, he was, and still is, of course. One of the nicest guys I have ever seen on the PGA tour. And there's a lot of great ones, don't get me wrong, but he, he just had such a wonderful demeanor about him and, and the way he, he spoke. And, you know, I've seen him interviewed many times on the Golf Channel over the years, and he was one of the nicest uh, guys. Uh, and what a great, Absolutely. in my opinion, a great amb- ambassador of, of not only golf, but obviously. So let's, um, before we get into some of the things, let's talk about his relationship. Jasmine, I'm going to let you start, mm-hmm. and then Jill, if you want to jump in as well uh maybe explain a little bit about tom's relationship with elevate Phoenix.
0: absolutely ted you know you kind of hit the nail right on the head tom is as genuine as they come when i talk about a leader by example he is truly the epitome And when I say the epitome, I mean it doesn't matter whether he is talking to other professionals, celebrities, down to the janitors at our school, and even willing to, you know, just get right in the field with our kids. He is that hands-on approach where, I mean, I know a lot of organizations who have their quote-unquote celebrity who says, you know, Mm -hmm. that's my charity and we're their charity. No, like it is officially like, wow, he is so all in. That's yeah. all I got. Like, all I could say about Tom is, wow. So what? how Tom got involved with this, our owner, Bob and Phyllis Barbie, they saw this model um, that we replicated from the Colorado Uplift model just about 40 years ago. And, you know, Tom was already all about, mentorship programs and really involved. And he always put it out there that he was looking for something a little bit more continuous, right? So he's like, he recognized that mentorship is good. And he knows that in typical mentorship is something that's usually done maybe outside of the school and, you know, happens maybe in an hour or two once a week, if that, right? Well, Mm -hmm. Bob Barbie showed him this model that was happening already in Colorado and the success that they were having and said, you know, this is something that we have to do out in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And he brought Tom alongside, and Tom saw the model and was floored. He said, okay, this is it. We got something that's mm-hmm. 365, 24-7, where we can use the platform of teaching to truly earn the right to do life with our kids, to become their mentors, and that's truly where the transformation is happening. And so he was like, okay, let's do it. I'm all in. He would meet with our kids. He would talk with them, go to lunch with them, really get to hear their stories. And soon enough, we were, you know, usually the charity of choice for quite a few organizations as we were trying to get the ball rolling until Tom had this great idea, you know, a few years in, about six years in to be exact, and he said, you know, we need our own event so every dollar that we raise can go to these kids because he not only heard the stories of Impact, but he got to witness them firsthand. And that's really where he literally said, you know, what? I'm all in. This will be our event. I will host it, and I will ask my networks. I will ask my people, and I'll do everything I can within my power to really push it forward because it our missions were so aligned with what we do with with who he is, and so ten years, five thousand kids and and a whole lot of success later, we're still at it, and that's truly the story of you know how Tom's involvement started
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and you know you raise a, a really great point, uh, Jasmine, and that is it's all about community, it's about reaching out and helping. Uh, others to realize uh, and really get a good start in life and and I think that 's really yeah. um, as i understand from from what i 've read uh, about elevate phoenix is really what it 's about it 's about you know reaching out to communities, uh, giving them the opportunities, and using you know there 's nothing uh, i think more satisfying you know we 've all worked in in you know many of us in in corporate world and we 've done this we 've made money we 've done well in, in other areas. But nothing really resonates more than being able to do something to give back to somebody else. Nothing is more satisfying. Right. I mean, I don't care how big a deal you get or how you know, much success <laughs> you have in other ways. Giving back is, is a great thing. So, so Jill, just to, to sort of bring you back in uh, a little bit here about your role. So, obviously, your experience... Um, with, with your business and, and your track record in golf as well, you obviously saw an opportunity to step up and help this organization with things like fundraising and that. So talk a little bit more about that, uh, and then we'll actually get into sort of the meats of, of exactly what Elevate, Elevate Phoenix does in helping these students.
4: Sure. I, you know, and certainly... Building off of one thing you said about Tom being one of the nicest guys on tour, I think he's number one. And I'm not just saying that because <laughs> I help with his event. But, you know, over the years I have dealt with people on the senior tour, the LPGA, the PGA, and when, um, when I was told that Tom Lehman was going to call me to interview me, about managing the first annual Elevate Phoenix Invitational. I mean, I've been watching Tom as a a fan of golf since I was seven years old. I've followed him, you know, on the other side of the ropes in multiple golf tournaments. So, you know, for me being, you know, a very happy golf nerd, to know I was getting a call from somebody of Tom's status, you know, to say that my palms were sweating was an understatement. But I got even a little more frazzled when he called and he said, very short and sweet, I'm told that if anybody can do it, it's you, and here's what I want. I need to raise $250,000 in my first golf tournament, and by the way, you have four months to plan it. Now, mind (laughs) you, at this point, I didn't know Jasmine. I didn't know Elevate Phoenix. I hadn't met the Barbies, and I I hadn't been brought into the world yet. So after four months of falling in love with Elevate Phoenix and having even more respect for Tom and the passion, because what Jasmine said is true, from – People at the very top of the executive board, Tom Lehman, all the way down to the teacher mentors and everybody within the schools, it's, it's hands-on. Everybody's sleeves are rolled up. Everybody is pitching in. So I'm happy to say that in the four months, we did not raise $250,000 in our first golf tournament, which, as you know, for any first mm-hmm. annual golf tournament is hefty we raised right. 640. Wow. So to know that we literally built something out of nothing and after only 3 events because of the momentum of, you know, Tom being the the engine that could behind all of us plus the <laughs> magic that Jasmine brings to the table, you know, we've been able to in just 3 events raise over 2.2 million dollars and that is
3: directly
4: wow. affecting these kids who especially right now are dealing with COVID, which is a whole other layer of obstacles for these kids. So right. during the years of our uh, two-day event, which typically is a, you know, a celebrity fanfare of a exclusive gala celebration one night to a celebrity am golf tournament at Phoenix Country Club, which Tom um, was amazing to help us get access to an exclusive, one of the most beloved properties in Phoenix, But also, our event is the Sunday-Monday going into the Charles Schwab Cup Championship. So everybody's been blessed to play play on a golf course that's under tour conditions, but it's also a golf course that was renovated and redesigned by Tom Lehman. So Tom really, um, his ego is checked at the door, and he just basically says, look, you need a golf course, here's a golf course. You need me to get some friends, and you know, here's Bernard Longer, and Bernard Longer has right. become a friend of Elevate Phoenix. Um, so we're, it's just we're just really blessed, and th- not just this one event. As you mentioned earlier on, we've done a helicopter golf ball drop to raise additional funds for Elevate Phoenix. In the springtime, there is uh, Ann Myers Drysdale, who is a H- NBA Hall of Fame, and you know, she's mm-hmm. the first female to ever be drafted to the NBA is also um, our beloved celebrity um, partner with Elevate Phoenix, and she has a big breakfast in the spring. So it's a lot of these celebrities saying, okay, well, if Tom Lehman and Ann Drysdale and Charles Barkley and Larry Fitzgerald and Bernard Longer and Blair O'Neill and all of these people have taken an interest in this event, I need to check it out. So it's been it's been so exciting and you know, it truly is. It's the hardest working event in my entire career, hands down. But these are the single greatest, most sincere, most honorable and hard working people I have ever had the pleasure to work with. So even though it, it certainly has some long nights and early mornings <laughs> um, you know, to, to be associated with, with this group and, and to get to know Tom on a whole other level. And it's not just Tom. It's his amazing wife, Melissa. It's his selfless children. Um, it, it's yeah. just the world he surrounds himself in. Um, you know, he definitely walks the walk. So it just for these kids that, you know, to, to meet somebody of any type of notoriety is is kind of unheard of. But then to see Tom, you know, sit down one-on-one with these kids who come from a very difficult background, a very different world than Tom, um, I mean, I didn't know I could become a bigger fan of, of a sports person in general. Um, but, but Tom just, you know, he just has the passion and it's infectious.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I just want to mention a couple of others here. Um, some of the other celebrities that are going to be uh, involved this year, of course, Condoleezza Rice, um, uh, some other golfers, yeah. Peter Jacobson, um, and you know, even uh, I mean, even Baker Finch, of course, um, but even some other celebrities, uh, Hercules himself, Kevin Sorbo, uh, and who, and who doesn't? He's who doesn't one of our like, uh,
0: He's one of our
1: right, favorite
4: <laughs> right. Yeah, I can
1: understand why. I know, I know. We won't go down that path. I know why.
4: Um, and it, it, it has nothing to do, Ted, that he's easy on the eyes. That not has nothing did. to do with yeah. it. He's, he is truly, he is one of the most genuine and just talk about I, an all-in, roll up his sleeves. He's like, do you guys need me to move golf carts? Do you need me to sling right. bags and load golf carts? Do you, do you need me to go pass about scorecards? Like he wanted to get involved the minute that his feet hit the pavement at Phoenix Country Club. He was, he's very special
1: right exactly um no i i, I agree with one hundred percent and and even i mean y- you've got to give uh props where props are due uh, uh Bobby herbeck uh writer for teenage oh. mutant ninja turtles i mean absolutely if you got the 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 ninja uh, mutant ninja turtles involved, you know it's a worthy cause, so um that's that's been <laughs> so you got a great a
0: yeah got exactly-
1: <laughs> yeah exactly, so. You got a, a good uh, crop of celebrities and from different areas of of life, and which is great. So, uh, Jasmine, let me come back to you a little bit because I, I want to, as I mentioned a couple times, I want to give you an opportunity. You know, we, we understand about the fundraising and so forth, now, but let's let's put it in perspective. Really, what it's all about, and let's talk about the actual mission of the organization. Let's break it down a little bit. What, where does this money go to? What's it doing to help? Let's get specific about it, and then we're going to talk about Um, what's going to happen next week.
0: Absolutely. Ted, let me just give you just the overall, as short as possible, overview of Elevate, right? So we are a nonprofit organization embedded in urban schools, and we partner with the most amazing district, with the Phoenix Union High School District, with an amazing leader, the superintendent, Dr. Chad Justin. And, you know, we get to teach across, accredited elective class that's called peer leadership. So our kids get to learn things like life skills, leadership skills, character development. And we ask the the, um, counselors of the school to put kids in our class that are either, you know, A mixed bag of nuts, I like to say. You know, we got some that are natural-born leaders. Now, they may not be showing all their leadership skills for the positive, but nonetheless, they are leaders, all the way down to the last-case-ditch effort. If we do not help, it's just not going to happen for this kid. And so we get the kids that are dropping out at 52%. But by the time right. they go through our program, not only are they graduating as first-generation high school grads, but they graduate at 98, and and not only that for them for them that's a huge a huge you know something to celebrate. But we say you know right. we can't stop there. What about? continuing on and trying out college, right? We tell our kids, you can't tell me you don't like broccoli until you at least try it. So we tell right. our students <laughs> the same thing. You tell me you don't like college until you at least try it out. And so we have them scholarship into a summer bridge college program called RISE. And there they earn six college credits and an opportunity to make a true life choice to continue on, to go on to college to go into the trades to go into the military or workforce or to go into um, or to go into workforce and I tell you what Ted one hundred percent of our kids are have a post secondary plan by the time they leave our program, and it all stemmed because a caring adult literally earned their right to be heard in their life as a mentor because we started as a teacher and what holds a whole lot different level of accountability with our kids is during the school day when they have to show up to class just to get a grade, they actually get to go down to the feeder elementary school and teach what they are being taught. And I tell you, it changes the game when you're no longer just regurgitating a definition. Rather, you have to go in, teach a lesson, and show how it's applicable in your own life and then be held accountable to what you're being taught. Because those kiddos, those elementary school kids Mm -hmm. are looking at their high school leaders first and foremost in awe that they have a high school friend. But secondly, that they're teaching them these new life skills that they would have not ever even knew about. And not because this is something that they just told them a definition, but rather because they're showing it how it plays out in their everyday lives.
1: Yeah, and and that's, so you know, education is so important. You know, I know as a kid growing up – you know, a lot of times we we never really appreciated the value of of our education until we got older and looked back and said, "Wow, you know, now I understand what that teacher really meant and when they were trying to express this." And sometimes, you know, we 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 really overlook the importance of it. Um, but more importantly, we don't realize that there are so many out there that don't have the benefit of a really good solid education. So. When no, when you're putting this so program true. together and you're opening that door and giving them the opportunity to learn skills and develop skills that are going to benefit them as they get older and and you know they obviously appreciate it even more um, than some that maybe have been more fortunate than them earlier on um, because to them it's an entirely new experience for you know for many growing right. up you know you go through the the routine of going to school and you know grew up in an environment where you didn't have you know, choice was, was always given to you. It was there, it was available. But when it's not, uh, it's a whole different, you know, sort of kettle of fish. I want to also mention, oh, too, yeah, uh, yeah the, uh, this is uh, 2020, of course, is the fourth annual event, uh, which typically is a two-day, uh, as you put it, extravaganza, in, including a formal gala uh, celebration and Celebrity Am uh, golf tournament uh, that takes place, of course, at the uh, Phoenix Country Club. Um, and this is obviously something that you would typically do in the past Uh, But because of COVID, and Jill, I'm going to want to bring you in for this, you know, because of COVID, some changes have had to be made, uh, hence what we're going to talk about now coming up next week. So typically, that's what the event would entail. Um, This year, you're doing something a little bit differently. Maybe you can unpack it a little bit and explain what's coming up uh, next week.
4: Absolutely. Thank you. Um, So. The plan is, and I should say this first and foremost, we have every intention of getting back to business um, in the fall of 2021, getting back to Phoenix Country Club so we can have the two days and really get um, a captive in-person audience. And we always make sure that the kids are involved. Not only does it let them get face-to-face with people that are supporting them, but it also just kind of gives them, in some cases, some volunteer work experience to see, you know, what it's like to be at a tournament, what it takes, and so it gives them some different learning opportunities. Um, Because of COVID, because of our desire to make sure that everybody, from the students to the donors, Um, to even, you know, Jasmine and I, um, that everybody is safe, and um, Mm -hmm. the the nice thing that we have is we had an option. So we're jumping on the virtual fundraising uh, bandwagon, and fortunately we are working with an incredible team that have been able to do successful events via live stream um, even before COVID happened. So on this Monday, November 2nd, At 6 p.m., and that's going to be Mountain Standard Time, we will be having a one-hour virtual live stream hosted by our friend Tom Lehman. During this one hour, the viewers are going to be able to log on and watch the event. There's no charge. um, And basically sit back in the comfort and safety of their own homes, grab a snack, their favorite beverage, maybe even have a viewing party of a small gathering, and have a good time with us and interact with us online. We're going to have some incredible student success stories shared with all of the viewers. Tom has some also amazing speaking points. Um, and then also we have, which has been going on since the 1st of October, our mm-hmm. silent auction um, which certainly will, I know we're going to get into that as well. Um, but it's mm-hmm. really going to be just a really special night, and we got an incredible opportunity brought to us today that we can't announce just yet, but there is <laughs> one of the world's most famous, favorite bands, and the original songwriter, one of the original band members, is going to be joining us. And so I can, it's only, the only teaser I can give you at this very second um, so we're going to have a a really one. special. Yep. Is that good? All right, cool. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. I want to know now. I
0: just I yeah, just I like, want like, Wait, wait be, a minute. Wait, wait who a minute. going to be? It's going to so be, it's,
4: it's, They're gonna gonna be great. They're not going to to miss this. It's going to be great. No, definitely not. And it will be fun to be able to interact. You can text with us during, you know, you tell Jasmine that, she, you know, you like her dress, whatever you want to do to have a good time <laughs> with us. Uh, but really the stories that we're going to be sharing about uh, not just listen to a student's story or hear what Tom has to say or hear what some of the teacher mentors and some of the Elevate Phoenix staff and board members have to say, but because the organization's been around, it works. So I know, I know for a fact that I have certainly donated money over the years to organizations, and you just hope that the money that you're giving, and especially this in the world we're living in right now, a dollar means more than a dollar to people these days. The nice thing is if you are willing to part with that dollar right now, I can assure you it goes directly to a tangible activity, materials, direct support to these kids who, as you mentioned, with COVID, these kids already were facing an uphill battle. And now that uphill right. battle is you know, covered in barbed wire first. So for us to be able to ha- to still be able to do a fundraiser under the current world that we're living in, um, but all of the the people that have donated to the auction these incredible virtual phone calls and experiences and trips, amazing bottles of wine, everything you can think of, I can assure all of your listeners and you directly that every single nickel is being used and it's using properly and it's using, they're very fiscally fiscally responsible, but these kids will feel the generosity firsthand. So we are excited. Again, it's on Monday, November 2nd. It's one hour to just unplug from the election noise, take a Mm. breath, be inspired, have some entertainment, by the world's greatest band that I will tell you about as soon as we're <laughs> able to announce it. Um, but, but truly, it's, it's really going to be a chance for, for everybody to, to tune in. You just have to go to elevate2020.givesmart.com, and it will take you directly into the live stream broadcast. We're going to be broadcasting also on YouTube, Facebook on elevatephoenix.org, on their homepage, that will take you directly to um, the, the live broadcast. Um, and it's going to be live, Ted. So, you know, at some point, something entertaining is going to happen. Something's going to be interesting.
1: <laughs>
4: you know, Ted, you know, Jill made such a really good point. I wonder if I can
0: quickly show, share just a quick story of just the impact about COVID. Yes, please. So, you know, Jill made a a point of, you know, COVID really has changed our entire world and what that means to our kids. You know, so I kind of shared with you about that Summer Bridge program, and we had an amazing young lady who um, was taking – she graduated this last year from um, our school, and she was in the program, and COVID actually hit her entire family where everybody Mm. in their household um, got got COVID-19. Now, while the majority of them were able to get better and heal up, it is the unfortunate circumstance that her dad did not. And at a Mm. very, very young age, her dad being the primary breadwinner for their entire family, had passed away because of COVID. He had no underlining issues, and out of nowhere, you know, he got sick and everybody else was getting better, but he wasn't. They took him to the ER, and, you know, families at that time was not even allowed to see their loved ones. She was not able to say goodbye. Right. She was not able to even bury her own father, let alone, she's never even been to a funeral. So the first funeral that she had to attend was her own father's. And uh. what what made this so gut-wrenching was that her father worked for a very small uh, company doing a labor type of job and you know they knew what he what their family was going through and they even offered to continue to pay his salary while he was in the hospital being sick but after he uh, passed away um obviously they could no longer give him the the paycheck but he did uh, they did offer up you know a position to stay open if anybody in their family wanted to take on Mm -hmm. what he was doing that they would give him that position and our student not only was working her part-time job trying to go to school, but because she needed to help of the family, started doing a few hours what she could for that organization just to give back. And our teacher mentors came alongside of her, went to the funeral once they were finally able to retrieve the body and have a home going for her father, and still up to today are supporting, you know, making the phone calls, showing up, trying to give gift cards, encouraging her to, you know, continue on to do what her father wanted for her and their entire family this entire time. And that's just to have a future. And it is, it, it's impacting all of us, but for some yeah. that impact hits just a little harder. And our student is just one of the many that this is unfortunately not the only story like that, but mm-hmm. it is a story nonetheless, that we know as tragic as it is, that we're really hoping and praying for true triumph to come out of it.
1: Well, and and let me just first, you know, say how, how truly, uh, and I mean this sincerely, how sad, you know, to hear that, but it, it just shows you the resilience of, of the human spirit that even, you know, even through tragedy, your organization has given her the tools and education enough and the wherewithal to understand that she can now do her part and step up for her family yeah. and help out in whatever way and that just goes to show you that and really it's a testament to to your organization that uh, that she's been able to benefit from you know from a valuable education and only goes to to show the importance of giving back um, through yeah. organizations like yourself to the urban communities and and, and others and and I, I just want to you know uh, again we'll we'll do it again before um, you know we we close off in a little bit but um, just to give that website again if you're interested uh, Monday November the second that's this coming Monday uh, there will be a live virtual broadcast from six to seven p.m. Mountain uh, Standard Time uh, you can RSVP in advance and look over and we'll talk about that now. In a second, uh, the incredible uh, auction. Uh, Go to www.elevate2020.givesmart.com, and you can uh, log in. And as as Jill said, you can take part in a great uh, virtual event. I think there's going to be a lot. Um, they're not sharing the musical guest right now, but I know it's going to be uh, a good. I, I can first say it's not going to be me. I can assure you of that. because I can't sing and I can't play, I can't play an instrument. We've got, so. Janet,
4: it's, we've got a good. We've got a good verbal confirmation. We just as soon as we get that extra, we got it. You're in. Uh, we'll shout it from the rooftops. We'll send it to you. You can put it online. Again, it's oh, oh. it's one of those um, all-American bands everybody's going to want to see them, everybody's going to want to hear them, Um, and they certainly have a message um, just about hope and, you know, just really during tough times just sticking with it, and and it's the most appropriate group that could be joining us um, during this tough world we're living in right now.
1: Perfect. Perfect. I, I just I just wanted to let the listeners know so they didn't freak out and panic. It's not me. So it's it's somebody <laughs> I guarantee you much better than me. Uh, so so Jill, let's let's just talk a little bit about uh, we have a little bit of time still here uh, sure. about the the auction uh, itself. Yes. What what can we expect to see?
4: So one of the things that we decided to continue on um, in line of keeping things. Safe and um, you know, just trying to make things as convenient and easy for everybody, um, from the people that are donating to the people that are bidding. Um, we are we have about 20 virtual experiences, meaning it's a Zoom call with some of the most incredible icons um, across the country, and some of them are going to be experiential as well. So, for example, um, at the right at the top of our list. Um, Condoleezza Rice, who has been an advocate and supporter of Elevate Phoenix for the last couple of years, um, you and four friends, four, it could be four friends, four colleagues, your family, maybe you want to use it and, and you know do something special for your top clients, can call in and have a private 30-minute phone call with Condoleezza Rice. And you can discuss wow. anything under the sun, whether you want to talk golf, you want to talk, gosh, no, she's a football fan, If you need to Mm -hmm. get into politics, I suppose you could. Um, But certainly we're really excited about her um, involvement this year. Uh, Tom is going to be sitting in his backyard with fellow PGA Tour champions player Michael Allen. They're going to be grilling steaks Mm -hmm. and shaking martinis and having a happy hour with them. Um, Bernard Longer is going to be joining in as well, offering up another 30-minute call He's going to talk to you about about the mental side of golf, Um, certainly Mm -hmm. ask questions about his two Masters uh, titles, and as a bonus, the winning bidder is going to get a signed Masters flag from Bernhard, ship directly to your front door. Um, But we've got not just golf. You know, we've got Chicago Bears, Jim McMahon. We've got NHL beloved favorite, Shane Doan. and Yvonne Lendl, if you are a tennis great, I mean, Yvonne Lendl, who's got over 90 professional wins, he's, I think, our winningest Hall of Fame athlete with us this year. You know, Rick Riley, I'll tell you what, Rick Riley for a 30-minute happy hour call, I can't even imagine what that conversation is going to be like. Um, Blair <laughs> O'Neill is going to be doing a, um, a 30-minute virtual golf lesson. So is Top 50 instructor Stan Utley. Um, You had mentioned Cowabunga, Bobby Herbeck. He actually decided (laughs) to get a little wild and crazy, and you get to play golf with him. So you and two friends are going to join him at his home club here in Scottsdale and get a round of golf with him, a signed poster. And also you're going to get a signed copy of one of the original scripts of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turidale movie. And it's actually one of those where the storyboard is on one side and the script is on the other. Um, it's hmm. th- There are not many. Um, but as far as, you know, our other items that are not virtual experiences, and again, there's incredible phone calls, opportunities with other Hall of Fame athletes. But we also have um, our two of our signature items um, include a signed basketball from the Uh, United States men's basketball team from the 2008 Olympics. Um, There's only 300 of these signed basketballs in existence, um, and we have, I believe it's number 283. Uh, But on the basketball are signatures from the entire team, which includes
0: Mm. Kobe
4: Bryant. It includes the newly crowned um, Laker players, (laughs) uh, Dwight Howard and LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, local Jason Kidd, um, and this bottle, as I said, it's, um, there's not many of them, and they certainly won't be anymore. So we're, we're excited. There's a lot of buzz going on about um, this basketball. And then we also have, for those diehard golfers, we have an, a luxury golf vacation to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, staying at a 5,000-square-foot mm. lakeside residence. You will play Coeur d'Alene Resort with the famous floating green. Rock Creek Golf Club and Black Rock Golf Club. It is a trip for four people, seven days, six nights. Um, and the cherry on the Sunday is on one of the days that you're not on the golf course, you will get a private boat ride around Coeur d'Alene Lake for half a day with a private captain. So it's that one is, is kind of blowing me away. I'm trying to gather up some friends that... <laughs> are willing to part with some funds and make an investment so we can go on an amazing golf trip. But, uh, you know, Tom has also put in his due uh, the Prairie Golf Club in Valentine, Nebraska, which is one of the most secret gems of the Midwest, including lodging for a group of four, unlimited golf, three golf courses, including one that Tom designed, Uh, Craigan's Golf Club in Minnesota, uh, the Omni Tucson. We've got some great uh, golf stay and play packages, and you know what, Ted? We have lots and lots of amazing magnums of wine. So, oh wow! <laughs> Jill, plenty you plenty, you plenty for everybody. It.
1: Let me give Jill, you, you my address, and, very- and you can ship one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we,
4: we can. We can. We'll. We'll figure out how to get it to you, Ted. <laughs> Julie, you did not tell well, him about the awesome opportunity with Tom and then actually getting to hang out with him for the BBB? Oh, yes. That, Ted, what she's referring to is the Back Swings Beer and Burgers with Tom. So that is for oh, you and, and, a, and a few friends get to join Tom for a round of golf at D.C. Ranch Country Club. And following play, you get to invite – a friend, a significant other, uh, a work colleague to join in for an evening on the patio at D.C. Ranch for some beers and burgers and some more conversation. Tom's amazing wife, Melissa, is going to be joining in because um, she you know, she doesn't want to be left out. She wants to get in on the fun. No. <laughs> uh, that <laughs> is actually right. the bidding. We already have bids uh, going. That one usually strikes up a nice little bidding war every year. Um,
1: oh, yeah. But, yeah,
4: there's... There's, there's a lot for everybody. So even if you're not into golf, there's plenty. We've got computers and spa treatments. We've got some amazing artwork. Um, so certainly we, we would love for people to go. Again, it's, it's elevate Com, And we certainly encourage people to join us on Monday, November 2nd, 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. We will be going over some of the highlight items during the broadcast and you're able to bid on your phone. So, Ted, if we've got one item, that's three Magnums of wine. It's a nice trio of Magnums package. So when you go in and you place your bid, if Jasmine outbids you, you'll get an <laughs> alert on your phone,
1: and you can bid right back. <laughs> I love it. All
4: right. I, We're up, Ted. I
1: love it.
0: <laughs>
1: I, I love it. Game on.
0: Well, ladies, I want to –
1: I want to thank you very much for, for coming on and, and sharing this. And, and, again, I just want to remind everybody, uh, for those of you who may be tuning in a little bit later on in the broadcast, that uh, this coming Monday, November 2nd, uh, if you want a break from everything that's been, been going on this last year, here's a great way to do it. It's a live virtual broadcast uh, beginning at 6 p.m. Uh, Mountain Central Time. Uh, you can go to www.elevate2020.givesmart.com. And join the fun. A lot of great uh, opportunities there through the auction. Uh, a lot of great uh, golf experiences and even non-golf experiences. And I see here there's an amazing ten thousand dollar jewelry shopping spree to Molina Jewelry. Yes, sir, so, right ladies.
4: Ted, it's right before the holidays. Yes. It's perfect. That's yeah. right. So <laughs>
1: there you go. No excuses, guys. Get in there and, and uh, make <laughs> it happen. um But, ladies, again, I want to thank you very much for coming on. What a great story. What a great cause. And I wish nothing but uh, success. And uh, I will – you let me know, uh, you know, if there's anything else that I can do between now and then to, uh, you know, promote on social media. I'm going to – obviously, after the show, I'm going to put a post up there, and I'll put that uh, link on there and everything as well. But um, thank thank you you guys so much. much. Yeah, Jasmine, what a great job. Thank you so
0: much, Ted.
1: Yeah, you and the organization, and um, and uh, tell Tommy he's got to save me a burger and a beer.
4: Oh, done. Well done. You, you hey, got to get. Yeah. Hey, listen, he's in I, Florida. He's right down the block from you right now. He's teeing it up uh, next week's or this weekend, so you know he's not too far away. Maybe you could share a burger with him right now.
1: All right, that that's, that might happen. That might happen. Ladies, thank you very much, uh, Jill Streit and Jasmine Hall. Thank you very, very much for joining me this evening on Golf Talk Live. Much continued success, and I know it's going to be, um, again, for a worthy cause, and I look forward to uh, hearing some, some good reports back on how everything went uh, after next week. So keep up the great work. Jasmine, Jill, thank you as always, and feel free to reach out anytime if there's anything I can do uh, to help you guys out.
0: Thank you. Thank have you, a good so
4: one. much. We'll be sure to let you know about the the big band announcements to get you off the hook.
1: Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> All right, <laughs> have ladies, a good one. have a great, have a great <laughs> evening. Thank you again. Bye bye.
4: Thank you.
1: All right, that was uh, Jill Streit, uh, owner of Versatile Golf, and Jasmine Hall, the development director of Elevate Phoenix. Uh, they've got their virtual event. Uh, event, excuse me. Uh, Happening Monday, November 2nd. Uh, It's a live virtual broadcast. And, of course, there's going to be an incredible auction. And it takes place uh, for an hour beginning at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Uh, You can RSVP in advance. uh, But you can visit uh, www.elevate2020.givesmart.com and join the fun. And also, uh, you can go to uh, elevatephoenix.org if you want to learn more about uh, elevate Phoenix in general, uh, you can go and check out their website and, uh, their other ways that uh, you can help out as well. So on that note, I want to thank everybody. Once again, thanks, uh, to, uh, the guys earlier on Coach's Corner, John Hughes and Clint Wright. Thanks guys for always bringing your best. Um, and I will see everybody next week on Golf Talk Live. God bless everybody. Thanks again for joining me. Thanks for listening to this evening's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. Remember to tune in each week at blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live. If you can't join us live, check out the on demand section for previously aired broadcasts or listen on any of the following social media platforms iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Castbox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on future shows and upcoming guests, be sure to visit the show's Facebook page, Golf Talk Live Blog. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO. Remember to join me live each week for another great broadcast of Golf Talk Live. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.